0: Good morning everyone. Come on in. So good to see all of you. We'll get started with worship here if you're willing and able to stand for our first hymn, Love Lifted Me.
1: today. Welcome. Good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we're just grateful to be here. Grateful to be in a community of people with a purpose of just connecting with you and just experiencing your presence. God, as we've sung about your love, that's our topic for today. That's where we're going to be focusing. And God, help us just to be reminded, just how awesome your love is for us, just how you've given yourself for us and just everything that we know and help us to be able to move beyond the the fake and the false ideas of what love may be in the world around us, but just to truly experience what, what you have for us. God, you are good. We're not here by mistake and you've drawn us to this place to speak to us. So open our eyes and ears, our hearts and our minds to what you have for us this morning. We love you, God, because you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, it's great to see you all this morning. I hope that you're excited to be here and worship as I prayed. I don't feel like you're here by mistake or accident. God's got a plan and God's going to do something exciting today. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe that. Absolutely. If you're new with us, we want to extend you a very special welcome. Thanks for being here, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. We love to meet new people. And so because we don't believe anybody should be a nameless face in the crowd, we want to encourage you to give us the opportunity to get to know you. And the way we make that happen is if you're in the room, there's a new here card in the seat in front of you. You can just grab that. Give us your name, email address, or phone number. Or if you're online or you prefer to use technology, you can go to new.ashworth.church, give us that exact same information. That just opens up the door for us to introduce ourselves to you and you to us and get to know each other. We believe everybody has a story and we love getting to hear yours. And so that's how you can help introduce yourself to us. We believe that prayer is significant and important. You believe that? And so one of the things we've done this year is uh, we've instituted or we've come together for prayer. And as a part of that, that means on the first Wednesday of the month, right down this hallway in the chapel, we gather for a time of prayer. So we would just encourage you to show up this Wednesday at 7 p.m. if you're able and be a part of our Wednesday night prayer gathering. We'll take about an hour of praying for one another, the needs in our church, our community and all these things. And uh, it'll be worth your time to uh, be there, I can guarantee you. So I encourage you to do that. And then one of our fun events that we like to do is trivia. Anybody played trivia before? Let me see those hands. Yep, I see those hands. It's a lot of fun. And no, it's not just Bible trivia. It's all trivia. It'll be trivia that you know. It'll be trivia that you don't know. It's all fun, and there'll be a lot of laughter. And uh, grab a coffee. So this Thursday, August 3rd, from 6 to 8 at Grounds for Celebration in uh, Windsor Heights. So if you're not doing anything Thursday night, even if you are, cancel it and come play trivia with us. And then lastly, we've got a school supply drive going on. We want to give back. We've been blessed. We have more resources, really, some of us than we need. And one of the things we can do with that is to give back. We partner with West Des Moines Human Services. So the big Crayola box out in the foyer, we want to fill that thing up. So between now and August 13th, go buy some school supplies and bring them in, and let's fill up the box. Uh, This morning in the first service, somebody stopped me and they said, hey, just want you to know um, I've ordered some school supplies on Amazon, and they're being shipped here. You can do that too. You know what? Take out the middleman, 5300 Ashworth Road. Just send them our way. We'll make sure they get in the box, and so if that's easier for you, do that as well. One final thing I'm excited to share with you is, you know, in the last few years, we've been partnering with uh, Indian churches over in the nation of India, trying to help plant churches and help them get buildings. And what's not, what's different there as opposed to us is when we have 15 churches in a mile stretch on one road. They'll have one church in a village that can serve, you know, 30 plus villages around them. And so this year we partnered with a group called Vishwavani and we've sent them some money to help get them started. And they sent us pictures this week. They've got the foundation laid on a new building. And they communicated to us that it's going a little slower than they had hoped. They have the same construction delays that we have, but they have told us they're hopeful that they'll be able to continue to move forward and they will get this building built, which is exciting. So, you know, halfway around the world, we're doing, we're, we're being able to help and partner with churches. It's not just that we're giving help, it, we're partnering with them. And I think that's significant. And then last week in the annual meeting, I shared with you guys, we shared some pictures of a church that we helped plant last year that we partnered with, and they were in the building and up and running, and we said that the pastor of that church was ministering to 33 villages, but he was having to do so walking on roads that were not lit in a very dangerous situation, and we were notified that, you know, it'd be... They didn't ask, I should say that. They never said, hey, can you buy us a motorcycle, but... We were just, Suki came back and said, hey, there's this need. And I said, let me see what we can do. And so last week, we, we told you, we're going to buy a motorcycle. We sent the money off Monday. And by Friday, I had this picture right here. <laughs> they purchased it, and they dedicated this motorcycle. And you can see there's some more pictures. And eventually, there's a picture. there. They are praying for the, over the motorcycle, thanking God for it. And then at the end, you see the pastor who's now going to be able to minister in the villages. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we, God has, we're just in a place that we've been very blessed. Financially, we have resources. And I tell you, I'd rather send it overseas than sit on it here. And to be able to bless a congregation there and a pastor there, uh, it's amazing. I was talking with Jude this morning. He went, oh, that's a Honda. My dad drove one of those his whole life in India. And I thought, well, there you go, right? Isn't that exciting? So we love to keep you guys up to date on what you are doing. I mean, it's not us, it's not me, it's you, us together as a church. It's not my money, it's what you give each and every week, each and every month. And we take that money and we take some of it and we keep giving it away. We keep giving it away to bless others because why not? We've been so blessed, let's bless as many as we can, right? As long as we can. So, awesome. Let's get back to some music. If you're able and you want to stand, please stand. Rachel's going to come and lead us now. The Chuck Berry stages in Hollywood, California. It's The Dating Game. Here's the star of the show and your host,
0: Jim Lange. All right. Thank you. All right. You're a good group. Thank you very much. Thank you and welcome once again to The Dating Game. What's going to happen this time? Well, let's find out. It's time to meet our first three eligible bachelors for game number one, and here they are. She loved him. I want to go out with William again. She loved him not. I bit him fingers real hard. He loved her. Oh, well, I'd like you to marry me. He loved her not. It was a long night. For better. It was fantastic. Or worse. Oh, well. There's lots of love. I date eight times, and have Tuesdays a day off. And lots of laughs. <laughs> That's why I came on this show. <laughs> Every day on Love Connection. It's been a tough journey to get here and I've had my heart broken. It's surreal in a way. If I turned back time, I would've, I don't know, I could've done things differently such a catch. He's the perfect age, he knows what he wants. He's very masculine. Super intriguing. Your eyes look really pretty. Oh my gosh, your been charming. I'm freaking out right now. I just can't stop crying, I'm so scared. <laughs> it's just so hard. I'm ready to go. And I just hope I don't regret it. I've met the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. I've never seen her before. Here, you will choose someone to marry. Hello. Nice to hear from you. Can't say see ya without ever seeing
1: them. If you're ready to find the love
0: of your life, game time, the pods are now open.
1: I want to fall in love more than anything.
0: I definitely want to find love.
1: I would like to start a family someday and find somebody that I can spend the rest of my life with.
0: You spent too much time not in love and ready to fill my heart back up again. Over 40,000 people are looking to us to find them a life partner. That is crazy. <laughs> we found you a husband. I got, I got a real husband. So I'm getting married in two weeks to <gasps> so a stranger.
1: The couples won't meet until their wedding.
0: <laughs> my gosh!
1: they marry as strangers. Welcome to Love Week at Ashworth Church. (laughs) I sent that to a friend this week after making it, and he replied, the number of shows that you show at the end of that video is incredible. And my response to him was, I had to stop adding shows just because of the length of my music, but I could have added so many more to that montage. Um, Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody by asking you, but how many of you watch those shows you don't have to lift your hand but you know if you're watching one or more of those shows just give me a smile let's see it see some smile okay I see a hand no I see some down how many and this may be the other question any of you spouses or significant others that are forced to watch those type of shows with somebody oh I see that hand too (laughs) we're going to be starting a new support group soon it's okay You know, um, Amy told me that this week had to be my confession week. Um, Don't worry, her confession week is next Sunday, so don't want to miss that one either. But my confession is this. I do watch some of these shows. Now, there's some I can't get into, but I do watch some, only a few. I'll admit, like Indian matchmaking and Jewish matchmaking, I'm less interested in the people and more interested in the cultural things going on. I find that very fascinating, uh, what's going on there. Uh, love on the Spectrum. It was comes out of Australia. It was an amazing show. It was following people uh, on the autism spectrum and their quest for love. And I'll tell you, I had some real reservations about it in the beginning because I thought, are you making fun of people? Are you mocking people? And no, it was done in a beautiful and lovely way. I, I would recommend that one because man, it kind of gives you hope for humanity again. Um, Several of them though, I can't get into. 90 Day Fiance is very popular. I've never been able to get into it. We do have, I know some friends that love The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I cannot say I've ever watched an episode of those. I just can't with that one. My shows are the goofy ones though. Married at First Sight, Carrie and I got into in season one, which was in 2014. The premise was intriguing to me if two people went into a marriage with the right frame of mind to say, "I'm going to trust experts through the years I've learned to distrust the experts. But if you had the right people putting the right people together, could it work? You know, um, so it started nine years ago, and it's been interesting to see. Um, I do love is blind, I think I got into because I, again, With so much that's wrong with these reality shows, this was to take out the physical aspect of it. It was all about conversation. You sit in these pods and you talk to each other. And Now, the goofy part of the show is within 10 days you had to get engaged. That's weird. But can you fall in love, sight unseen? That's kind of the question. Is love blind? And so, but what I've discovered is these shows are very popular. They're on every streaming platform. They're on every channel, it seems like. Why do you think these shows are so popular? Looking for love. Elsie said it, people are looking for love. Yep, anything else? Why else might we watch them? Bored, Bored? yep, that's a part of it too. Somebody in the first service said, we like the drama and I thought, that's true. No one can turn away from a train wreck that's about to happen. (laughs) And these shows are full of train wrecks. I think maybe even a reason is because some of us are hopeless romantics that deep down we hope that this is going to work. And so we watch, hoping. But I think some of it's bored. There's nothing else to watch. But these type of shows have been around forever. How many of you watched The Dating Game? Go ahead. Do you know when The Dating Game premiered? In the 60s. You're right. 1965, December of 1965, and we've been a bunch of voyeuristic weirdos ever since. I mean, Love Connection. You guys watch Love Connection? Chuck Woolery back in the day. You know, that's where the they get let the audience chime in, and they could vote on who you went out on a date with. The Bachelor. Anybody know when The Bachelor started? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> yes. You ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. 2002. 2002. I was like 12 then. I'm Just kidding. I really wasn't. It's a long time ago. And they're about to start their 28th season. Hey, but it's just for you because they've got a gray headed man this time. Cause I guess we've never done that. So there has to be a draw to this. There has to be something because these TV production companies don't produce shows that don't make money. And these shows have to be making money because as you saw on the montage at the end, there is show after show after show after show. And they just continue to expand and they continue to just get more salacious with every iteration. I mean, that's what I've, I mean, I just have to tell you to even put that together. I had to crop some images in there to find a clip from the bachelor to show, oh my goodness, everything had scantily clad people and lots and lots of kissing that just wasn't safe for church. I will tell you. But why are we talking about this? Why am I showing you these crazy videos? Well, we're in the series called In Plain Sight. And we're trying to ask the question, is God around us? Is, can we find God even in silly, ridiculous reality TV shows? And so we're looking at movies and TV shows and music and podcasts, and we're asking the question, is God there? Can we learn anything about God there? Or better yet, can we learn anything about ourselves there? And today we turn our attention to love, or more aptly, watching for love in all the wrong places. I <laughs> thought that would be an appropriate title. But to start, I think we do have to acknowledge that even though some of us may or may not enjoy watching this, when we see this, hopefully we can look at that and go, that isn't love. That ain't love. In fact, it's a very, very poor representation of what love is supposed to be. I mean, the depictions of love that they show are often more about drama, who's going to help us get bigger ratings. It's more about self-centeredness, and it's more about lust. And that's probably was my hope for Love is Blind, because you couldn't see each other, right? So you take the lust out of it, and could it work? It doesn't, just so you know. Um, as I said, I had to trim down a lot of those clips just because of the lust factor in those but the focus or the display in all these shows is about finding the one. Who is my soulmate? You know, and you hear so much. Do we have chemistry? Are there sparks? And it makes sense why this is put on TV because this has become our cultural obsession. I mean, to be fair, even in church, we may not have reality TV, but we've made love, marriage, family an obsession, I mean, we, when I was growing up, we focused on the family. We had the American Family Association and the Family Research Council. And we have family life today and things like marriage matters. And we obsess, even within the church, over the perfect relationship, the perfect marriage. And spoiler alert, it doesn't exist. You know why? Because you're in it. Think about it. That's why it doesn't work. We're not perfect. And we bring our imperfections into these marriages, into these relationships, but it doesn't stop us from obsessing over it. Now, that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't work towards better marriages, better families. Sure, we should. And just so you know, statistics do show that faith following Jesus does have a positive impact on marriage. For years, I heard a statistic that I've now been told is debunked and it was this. Divorce rates within the church are just as bad as they are outside. And evidently that is just not true that there are studies now that have shown that faith impacts marriage and relationships to the better, which is really great. However, when we begin to think about how we have elevated marriage and family, how we structure so much of our ministries and our th- the things we do as a church around marriage and families, I just have to wonder, why do we do this? Why do we elevate it above so much other stuff when really it's the thing that Jesus said would not be a part of his new creation? Uh Uh-oh, scandalous now. And I get that. That's difficult for some people to hear because people think, I love my spouse. And you should, that's great. But I want to be with them forever. Well, Jesus said, at the resurrection, people will neither be given in marriage Or be married. They'll be like the angels in heaven. And we read that and some of us want to go, no. How could this be? You know how it could be? (laughs) I heard that. I heard that. Yay, back there. That's hilarious. That is funny. Um, But why do we feel that way? I think it's because we fail to think that there could be anything better than what we're currently experiencing. And what excites me Is the idea that God's saying, Jesus is saying, you have no idea what I have in store. How great you think marriage is, there's going to be something even better waiting for you in the new creation. Oh, okay. Maybe I can get on board with that, you know. But we put so much pressure on our marriages while we're here. And on our spouses, we put this weight on them to expect them to carry more than they would ever be able to, more than than anybody should. And it's crushing. It's a crushing weight. And we look for our significant others to do things for us that only Jesus can do. And our marriages and families, yep, need to be the first place that this message about love is lived out. But as we look at it, the other ways we see love is not and how it's demonstrated is we put that weight on people we shouldn't. We make these relationships transactional. What have you done for me lately? We're very consumeristic. I love you until you don't meet my need, and then I'll just go down the street and find somebody else. Or, you know, we think love in the church is just for married people, and it's not, and it's not. And so there's a message for us here, I believe, especially in the church, because we exalt marriage, whether we do this on purpose or not we minimize and look down on those who aren't married, the singles, the never married, the divorced, the widowed. Take your pick. And we may not do it on purpose, but we relegate these individuals to the outer edges of ministries often, making them feel less than because they're not hashtag blessed like us because we found our soulmate, you know. And honestly, we make an idol out of marriage and family to the detriment of the church, To the 25 percent or more of the church who are single and as i was studying this week i thought you know the statistics culturally say that 45 percent of our culture is not married they're single and it makes me wonder with all the emphasis that we put and the elevation that we put on marriage and family as if it's the salvation of the world Why would a single person ever want to walk into a church when everything the church does usually centers around couples and families? It's almost as if we think it's a curse to be single when the Apostle Paul even said, it's better for you to be like he is, single, unmarried. He said it's good, advantageous to be that way. But unfortunately, our obsession with love gets in the way. We're obsessed with it. We twist it, we pervert it, and it plays out before us each week in in fill-in-the-blank of your obsession of reality TV shows. And we need to acknowledge that what we see on TV, what we see played out, is not real love. We've listed a whole reasons why, but it's false. It's fake. I mean, have you ever thought about that? It's kind of like WWE wrestling, right? I mean, sometimes, any wrestling fans in here? I said it was fake, and I'm sorry if you didn't know that. You know, if, I, if I've spoiled that for you, I'm really sorry. Now, we know it, right? And yet some people still love to watch it. They'll go pay, you know, tens of hundreds of dollars for tickets to go watch it live. And we all know it's not fake, but we're into the drama. And really, that's what these reality TV shows are, you know. I mean, even as I was looking at different things this week, I discovered that one of the shows, Love is Blind, uses cups that are gold, for everything like if a, if you're in a scene and it has a drink involved in a scene whether it's just dinner at home or out somewhere you have to use these gold cups or gold goblet. Do you know why? Because as long as you can't see through the cup, you don't know how they've spliced and edited that scene to make it say what they want it to say. Because if you're watching it and they had a clear glass, you would notice, oh the level's here, it's here, it's here. Oh, they're splicing it. Isn't that interesting? And then even just when you think about the hours upon hours and hours and hours of footage that they have to record just to get an hour's worth of TV out of it. I mean, they're picking and choosing. And then let's talk about the random selection of people for these shows. Probably not so random, is it? They're looking for the crazies. Let's just be honest. They're looking and going, who's going to create the most drama because we need ratings and if we get ratings, we make more money. It's not real. And then you start to watch the interactions of these people and you begin to see these ideas of love we've already talked about being played out they're not coming by i mean you know they're not coming to it with a real intent of love sometimes it's just i want to be an influencer and get my name out there and to be fair what they think love is they come by honestly because that's what's been ingrained in them love is about me it's about how you make me feel and what you do for me the transactional type of relationships and people become tools Tools to be used to help me get what I want and achieve what I want in life. Now, that's depressing, isn't it? But really, that's what we see played out on TV. And it feeds into this false idea of what love is and supposed to be. But we continue to watch, or some of us do. Why? Because we hold out hope that this is the time. It's going to be different this time. But it never is. (laughs) Let me give you some depressing statistics real quick on these reality TV shows. Married at first sight, the success rate. Anybody want to guess? 20%. They've had 64 couples and only 13 of them are still married. Uh, Love is blind, a little bit better. Seven out of 23 couples are 30% still together. Bachelor, bachelor, not bachelorette because if you throw the bachelorette in there, the statistics are better, but the bachelor by itself, 11% success rate. going to be gray headed, right? The golden, golden bachelor. See Iowa. from Iowa. Yeah. Oh my goodness. See all this fun. See, they're just trying to suck you in now <laughs> thinking it's going to, going to be for you. While well, all these shows promise so much and deliver so little, what they do show us is this twisted version of love. It's, you know, but what it does reveal is something that is very significant. It's a realistic truth. It's this. We all desire to be loved. We all desire to be loved. I mean, I think that's why I watch some of these is because I think I want to, I want to see it succeed. I want to see it work. We all have this desire. Desire. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to know that there's someone who knows everything about me, my warts and my hangups and everything, and loves me anyway. Don't we? We desire that. We want somebody to stand with us and have our back, to be willing to stand with us when nobody else will. And we need somebody that's willing to tell us the painful truth sometimes, that you've got spinach in your teeth or something hanging out of your nose or you're being a jerk right now. We need that. We may not want it, but we need it. And you realize that our drive for this attachment it's deeply ingrained within us as humans. It's deep-seated. In fact, psychology is catching up with what we've known about human nature for a long time. Psychology Today, a few years ago, wrote an article called The Need to Love. It said this, All of us have an intense desire to be loved and nurtured. The need to be loved, as experiments have shown, could be considered one of the most basic and fundamental needs. And then they went on to do studies about touch and how touch relates to that. And they say, you know, if you have babies, uh, touch demonstrates love. It, it, It shows that you're cared for. And you have these babies that they showed that were deprived of contact. And for the first six months of their lives, they had no contact. They had no way to know that somebody loved them. It says there was true and genuine psychological damage. If they don't make those connections within the first six months of life, they struggle to make them the rest of their lives. I mean, think about how significant that is. And we know this. When we look at the Bible, we know we see this, this need is confirmed. I mean, why else would the Bible repeatedly say, love one another? If it was, I mean, as a parent, the things I don't have to tell my children are the things they're naturally good at. You know, I have to tell my children to take a bath. Why? Because they would never think about it on their own. I don't have to say, now, Julian, don't take a bath today. Why are you telling me that? I wasn't going to take a bath anyway. It's that same way with love. Our human natural inclination is not to love. It's to be selfish, to be honest. And that's why when you go to the Bible, it repeatedly says, hey, hey, love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Because it's just counter to our nature to do it. I mean, just a few examples in the Bible. John 15, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. If it was that easy, if it was that natural to us, Jesus, thanks a lot. Why are you telling us something we already know? No, I'm telling you because you forget. You people forget and you need to be reminded. Or 1 Peter. Peter would have been there to hear Jesus say that. And 1 Peter, he says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Why are you telling us all this, Peter? Because you don't do it on your own. You need help. (laughs) You need reminders. And over and over we see that word spoken. I could have put more and more verses up there. But you know, just like we've said every week, this week when we're talking about love, it reveals something about us. These shows reveal something about us. This desire to be loved and our inability to get there on our own. And the desire to go find it on our own. And it shows us this hole that exists in our life. Something lacking. And so we turn our attention to say, how can I go get it? And unfortunately, like with most of these reality TV shows, we are looking for love in all the wrong places. Aren't we? Man, we want acceptance and love so bad that we will do just about anything to get it. We'll tie ourselves and twist ourselves into knots, contorting ourselves to be something somebody else wants, the idea of what we think they want us to be. We throw ourselves into unhealthy relationships, and we'll even throw ourselves into unreality TV to escape. I mean, if you've been with us a few weeks, I hope you're beginning to see this repeating pattern. What we're talking about is just something that makes us human. This need, this hole that exists within us, It's it's what we need. It's it's an ingrained part of who we are, and it drives us to get that need met. And as I said, we look in the wrong places. and And in the process, we're willing to settle for really poor substitutes for what real love is. But, you know, as we've shown week after week, this hole that exists, we're trying to fill it with the wrong things. There is a right way to fill it. There's a right place to look, a right place to find the love and the acceptance that we're so hungry for. And it's a good church answer, isn't it? Because where, where can we find that type of love? Go ahead, say it. Jesus, yep, God. Why do I say this? Because there's something about the way the people wrote about it in the Bible that I think is significant. If you look at 1 John, this letter that was written to churches, and this apostle is trying to instruct them. And listen to what John says. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Again, here's that reminder. Hey, guys, love one another. For love comes from God. Oh, now we're seeing a motivation behind it. Now we're understanding why we should be loving, because love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Oh, that's convicting. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, going into this message, I thought this should be a drinking game because I'm going to say the word love about 250 times and just take a drink every time Brent says it. But in in these few short verses here, six short verses, John says God loves you four times in six verses, repeatedly, over and over. God loves you. Can we just think about that for just a moment? How many here need to hear that message today? God loves you. And he loves you not because you made your bed this morning or you cleaned your room or you ate your veggies or you helped somebody cross the street. He loved you already before you did any of those things. A couple weeks ago, I talked about this, about how the gospel is the good news because of God's love. It supersedes anything. It precedes anything that we could have done while we were still sinners, considered as enemies. God loved us. I did some research this week and a a commentary I was reading, the guy was a seminary professor and he said he was talking about God's love and grace in this class. And he said, I want to look and see um, what has influenced you in your faith. He says, I want you to go home. I want you to write a one page essay on what has been the most influential in your faith. Was it God's law and the desire to not break one of God's laws or God's love and grace? They came back. Do you know what the statistic was on the people uh, like that wrote on God's law versus God's love? 90%. 90% 90% of the people being trained to sit in my seat and teach people in churches said that the thing that shaped their faith the most was the fear of disappointing God and breaking His rules. 90%. And then I thought, well, that had been me a few years ago. I mean, that's just a natural thing, right? We forget. See, it's so interesting to me because I feel like we grow up, if you've been in church any time, God is love is just like the sky is blue and the grass is green and cars go on gas and all these basic things that we know, but we just don't live in. We just kind of, yeah, that's the answer. Who loves you? God. Yeah. Okay. Move on. And we've done something in religion today, in Christianity today, where we've just, and we've talked about this. We continue to talk about it because I think it's so significant. We've taken God And we just kind of go, thanks, God. You sit over here. We got this now. And we've created this whole structure that we can really, we can meet and we can talk and we can exist and function every day without God until life gets serious, until we start trying to fill our lives with this pseudo love that's out there. We want love. We desire love. And we want it so desperately we do anything to get it. And God's just sitting over here going, hey, let me in. I love you. And it's just like with this understanding of this transcendent God who's breaking forth into our world and says, I can do things beyond things you can even imagine. And we've just kind of continued to push to the side. And there's a real struggle there, isn't it? We want love. We want to experience that, but we continue to think, yeah, but that's not going to do it. Why do we think that? Why, when the, the real thing exists right before us, do we continue to chase after how the world defines love, which is what? love def- The world defines love as a feeling. It's those butterflies in our stomach when the person we're interested in comes around, it's that squishy, ooey-gooey feelings of rainbows and unicorns. It's something you fall in and out of, like a man walking down the street and falling into an open manhole. I and mean, that's how we think about love, isn't it? And we'd go, well, that's just silly and absurd. And yet, that's what we cling to sometimes. That's not what love is. And if you think that's what love is, I just have a question for you. How's that working out for you? <laughs> not too well. We're so inundated with these false images of what love is, and it's, it's so obscured what true love really is. Love is not a fickle feeling. It's not something that ebbs and flows. You only need to be married for about a week to know that. It's something, it's a choice that you make. And it's a choice that is demonstrated by action. And we have this incredible example for us that John talked about, lived out before us in Jesus Christ, come to the earth so that we might have life and have the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And what makes this so even amazing, more amazing, is that that love is yours. That love is mine. But do we... Are we like the seminary students that would say, yeah, but? And you know we're in trouble anytime you say, yeah, but. You just need to stop (laughs) with yeah and end it. What we find in Jesus is this incredible model of self-giving love that can meet the deepest need that we have. And no relationship on earth will ever come close To what we see and experience in the love of God. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in a couple of places. He says in Ephesians, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp. He says, I want you to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. He says, that's my prayer for you. There's a love out here and you guys are missing it. And my prayer is that you you can see just how amazing it is. And then in Romans, Paul says this. He says, hey, you know what can separate you from God's love? Nothing. Nothing. Trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? Nope. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or the future, powers, height, depth, anything at all in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, yeah, can I get an amen on that? I mean, that ought to just get our motors going right there. And it ought to make us a little turned off at what the pseudo love we see demonstrated in the world. Just shake our heads and go and, and pray for people to say, but I want you to f- experience the real thing. But here's the other part of this as I close. There's another aspect of love that I think we have to remember. And it's not that we've been given this love because it's just because we should live in it and just sit in it and experience and keep it all to ourselves. Go back and look at what the passage in 1 John we read earlier says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love one another. And then catch what John says. He says, no one has ever seen God. Confusing statement, right? Jesus said he was God. We've seen Jesus. Okay, what's he mean? Oh, let's expound. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What's that mean? The love you've experienced is not meant to be kept for yourself. It's not meant to be bottled up. It's not to be stored up. In fact, you can't. It's meant to be shared. I love what John is saying here because he's saying that the unseen God who was revealed in Jesus is now being revealed in you. You are now the incarnate present of Jesus Christ in the world. When the world needs to see what love is, they don't need to turn on love as blind. You know where they need to look? You, me, the community of faith, what God started in Jesus, He is completing in and through us. We are love in the flesh, just as Jesus was to be. That's significant. That's so significant. And I wonder if sometimes we don't miss the love of God because we're not willing to give the love of God. And it's challenging. Let me just tell you, it's easy to say and hard to do because the love we see modeled in Jesus, whether it's in our marriages or in our friendships or in our other relationships, whatever it is, it is a self-giving love. Caveat. That doesn't mean anybody is meant to be a doormat. And there are healthy relationships and boundaries and relationships that need to be established. That's a whole different sermon. If you have trouble with that, see Matthew Becker. He's now in that world and he can help you with that tremendously. But I think for some of us, our problem, especially with how we engage, is not that we don't have the boundaries. I think it's we're not experiencing the love of God and giving the love of God. I think if we do that, the healthy boundaries can be there. So, John says God is love. It's the essence of who he is. It's his character. And it just makes me question that if we don't express that same type of love, could it possibly be because we've never really met and embraced that divine love ourselves? That's a tough statement, isn't it? And if you think I'm pointing a finger... Is right here. I have to ask myself that question. Now, so much more we could say on the topic of love, but we've said enough today. Just remember this. Also in 1 John, you know what he, he writes? He says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. The Father has lavished this incredible love on us. And so my prayer for us is that, you know what? If you want to watch Love is Blind, Watch Love is Blind. You want to watch WWE wrestling? I don't care. But watch it with a discerning heart. Let it remind us that that's the world's fake view of love. There's a so much better view of love that exists. There's a so much better demonstration of love that exists. And I need to be a reflection of that divine love, not the garbage I see on television. Let's pray. God, Thanks for allowing us that even in trashy reality TV shows, we can find you and you can teach us truths about who you are and who we are. God, help us to be dissatisfied with fake replacements of love and help us, God, to figure out how we can find our meaning and our purpose and the love that we so desire. Help us to find it in you. God, we're looking everywhere. And you're there, God. You're, you're just lavishing it on us. Help us to see and experience it, God. Help us to know the reality of your love. And then help us to turn around and with eyes wide open look to see who are those around us that need to experience that same level of love that you've given us. Help us to be Jesus to all the world. We love you and we praise you in his name. Amen. So there you go. Love is blind. Love is stupid. Love is a lot of things, right? So there you go. Thanks for being here today. I hope it's been uh, fun and entertaining. And next week, uh, as I said, this Amy's True Confession, um, any cr- true crime podcast junkies out there, Dateline NBC. Yeah, you will not want to miss next week. It's going to be all for you. Have an awesome week. Grace and peace to you. I will see you next week.